here we are in our fancy pants new studio that we built. <laughs> People, let me tell you, there's some high quality shit going on here. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to tell in the recording, but we are in a sweet ass studio that we built. Yeah. It uh, in the bedroom formerly known as Matt's. Uh, well, no, it actually was mine. Oh, it was your room. Yeah, and then when Matt left, I took took his. His room. bigger room. Yeah, and we installed a poorly. I poorly installed a dartboard. You know what? The dartboard is actually in a good spot and a good height. It's just not. There's six extra holes in the wall. Yeah, on the fourth try, the dartboard was in fact installed, and yeah, it, it was a rumpus room for a little bit. And now we've got. Let's see. We've got a mattress propped up against one wall. We've got. Uh, box springs and a bed mat against another wall there's a a blanket tacked up to another wall it's really state-of-the-art shit here yeah two microphones now yeah two microphones it's what can i say um our great uh uptick in in listens lately has led to us uh uh i don't know taking the taking the audio quality to the next level here's here's hoping it's actually discernibly different (laughs) (laughs) probably not no probably we wasted our money i think it was okay before i didn't hear a lot of complaints about it but you can always get better well when only 11 people listen you don't hear a whole lot of complaints that's true but now uh we're really excited because the this last episode we had up north of 40 listens i think just on soundcloud and then uh with jared posting on youtube um, that's gotten a lot of traction in the last two weeks too. So shout out to Jared for helping us get a nice little pop. And, uh, we hope that continues. Seth, yeah. Seth has a theory that someone just for- forgot that <laughs> yeah. they put it on repeat and left it. <laughs> whoever, whoever has SoundCloud just on in the background of their apps right now and has us on hit the repeat button. Thank you. Yeah. And leave it. <laughs> this is but do n- it for episode 20. What are we going to be on? What are we on now? This is, uh, well, Seth, that's a really good segue. Uh, welcome, folks, to episode 28. I'm better at segues. <laughs> episode 28 of the SoCo Show. I am, of course, the co-host, Cody Michael. Sitting across from me and sighing heavily is the so-host, Seth Ott. <laughs> this will end come February. Yeah, we're going to, and and we'll explain uh, what Seth is talking about a little later in the show. It's going to be a fun one today. Uh, got a little bit of video game news um, we're going to talk sports, obviously. That's going to get pretty exciting, I think. And a lot of movie news today with the announcement of the Razzies and the Oscar nominations. So in addition to that, we're going to review a couple movies uh, and just a little bit of movie news. I don't think really anything in TV today, which is kind of different. Typically, we got something. but No, I should have a TV corner soon. I'm working my, th- <laughs> working my way through the deuce. <laughs> oh, my God. You can't write it better than that, folks. Seth Ott, everybody. I didn't even plan that. Uh huh. He didn't plan the deuce, but a lot of a lot of fun stuff. Sometimes he can never plan the deuce. Gosh, it just comes out of nowhere, man. Yeah. What can I say? You can't write that shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of this. Let's let's get into the show, and we're gonna start as always with our Iron Sheik tweet of the week. I call you a punk. Two tweets for us this week, both pertaining to football and the uh, AFC and NFC championships. So what's the sheet got to say? Win or lose, the Tom Brady have the sex tonight. (laughs) Hashtag AFC championship game. You know, he's probably not wrong. (laughs) 
But the Sheik, ever ever the Switzerland, always likes to play both sides. Uh, I know he had a, a message to Tom Brady's opponent for the big game as well. <laughs> Nikki, baby, you call the Giselle. Tell her to get the hot tub warm, Bubba. Hashtag Fly Eagles Fly. There you go. Eagles quarterback Nick Foles going to fire it up with Giselle in the jacuzzi, I suppose, according to the Sheik. I don't know where he gets that information, but uh, I don't think Tom's going to like that very much. <laughs> Let's get into the show. That's the Iron Sheik Tweet of the Week. I call you a punk. So we started last week with, uh, I think I speak for both of us when I say our favorite new sounder. Uh, and that's for the video game segment. We had a piece of news. We got to correct it a little bit. We jumped the gun yeah. on uh, a rumor. So let's jump into video games and correct ourselves. Video games. Whoa. So the story last week was about God of War. God of War. And uh, there's been a, 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 not necessarily a correction, but a clarification on that release date. Yeah, they announced, they officially announced the release date, um, which is the first official word that they've had of it, but... April 20th, baby. 420, bro. <laughs> am I right or am I right? So people are going to be uh, traveling through their own dimensions for with with indulging while traveling through different times of, uh, I guess, religion and, and myth uh, with, with Kratos. Uh, they released a trailer today as well, the announcement trailer that delved more into the, the story. Um, and it's it seems to be getting pretty deep because huh. they uh, this one's definitely going to focus on the sun, uh, which, which appears to be his son, and kind of how his son doesn't know what he used to be. He didn't they did you know he doesn't know he's a god or used to be a god, and like the people in the Norse world kind of know that he's like one person knows for sure he's a god, and and another one and another one in the trailer is like you're not you're not from this world and, and you're, you're more than what you seem. And then like his son, um, also kind of has that in him too, of like the anger that Kratos has. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be a pretty emotional game. It seems like weird. Yeah. I'm very excited. The only emotion I ever got from God of War was my thumb hurts from hitting box. (laughs) (laughs) So cool. I guess the the story, the trailer looks, looked amazing. And it was about a four minute trailer of, of story and kind of cut scenes and things like that. So, I think it looks really interesting, and I hope we get more into what happens because, like, they're they're clearly addressing. Because some of the rumors when they talked about bringing this back was that it's going to be a different Kratos, um, and just throwing a different version of Kratos into different mythologies. And this is clearly Kratos from the other games, down to like you get you get more of a look of him, and he looks. Other than a beard, he looks exactly like Kratos. He has the scar in his tummy from when he puts a sword in it from the third game. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years old. Um, no, I'm I'm really pumped. I can't wait. I haven't been this excited for a game in a long time. So. And you don't have to wait long. Just a couple months now. Yeah. Can't April wait for 20, 420, man. bro. Yeah, man. You and I are both going to have good days that day. <laughs> Hello. Well, I think... Uh, a pretty meaty part of the show today is going to come from the sports world, so let's get into it. Sports! And boom goes the dynamite. The Super Bowl is set. New England Patriots are going to be squaring off with... The Minnesota the, Vikings? Nope. Oh. Close. It's going to be in that stadium. Uh, <laughs> at U.S. Bank Stadium, the Eagles are flying into town. Uh, couple... I, actually just, I actually just saw, as I, before we started, um, 
the tickets for the Super Bowl, the price for the tickets have have gone down dramatically since that game. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that. Not a lot of Vikings fans gonna gonna pay the high prices to get in now. Yeah. Um, let's start. Let's start in the NFC. Vikings fall to the Eagles, thirty-eight seven. Not the game a lot of people expected. I I was just thinking about what we were saying last week. We both expected a very close defensive game. Mm-hmm. It's not what we got. <laughs> um, and I wanna I wanna tread lightly because I don't want to get you too worked up about your Vikes. But uh, what did you think generally about the their performance on Sunday? <laughs> Do you even have to ask? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was terrible. Um, albeit I. I knew after that pick six, I knew right then and there it was over. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember you saying it. There's no way they win. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I knew right then and there. Um, they just and they came out with that first drive and looked great on offense and drove down the field. And then that pick six, I, I think they were just so emotionally drained from last week that they weren't able to put up a fight. This whole year, I was very skeptical. I mean, I don't think you ever once heard me say anything positive about the Vikings. No. And in terms of, like, they're a good team, they're super talented. Like, their defense was good, and their defense has been good for a long time. Um, it's not it's not the def- it's not the number one defense in the league good. Um, but they, their defense is good, and can they can – their defense can win them any game, mm-hmm. in, in most games. Um, do I think that they're the most talented defense in the league or any, anything along those lines? No. But – they, they they can be in any game with with that defense. I'll clarify that. Not win any game, but be in any game with that defense. Yeah, I think um, so. Let's um. We'll come back to the Vikings specifically, but but talking about the Eagles Vikings game, let me ask you this: How much credit do you give to the Eagles? It was this a Vikings shit show, or was mm-hmm. this just the Eagles coming in and putting a beat down on them? I do think the Eagles are a better. They have, they're a really good defense. I I don't think I still don't think their offense is very good. I just, I just think that, I mean, a lot of it was, was the Vikings were drained, uh, but I do think that the Eagles' defense was able to come in there and they were able to get the Vikings off the field quickly. This is, this is the same recipe that happened last year with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. They, their defense is on the field so much that they got tired and they were bad <laughs> towards the end of games. Yep. Um, the Vikings gave up a touchdown on the pick six, and then after that, they, they couldn't get a drive together. Mm-mm. And... That made their defense be on the field, and they they couldn't stop them. Yep. And so I, I think that that recipe caused the Eagles to, you know, play at their best their best ball. Plus they're at home, and there's a lot there's a lot of factors involved there. But that Eagles team, they they lost six to nothing to the Cowboys a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're and that was at home. That was in Philadelphia. They're I I don't think they're a very good football team still. I give them a little more credit. I think that. You know that six to zero game was a while ago. Um, you had it was I think Foles' first start. Mm-mm. It wasn't his first start. I think it was a couple games in. Actually, it was a couple in. Well, at any rate, I think the offense has appeared to find some footing. Um, I think even as as fl- I do think the Vikings kind of came out flat. But that said, I I do give the Eagles credit for putting Foles in situations to make throws, and Homie can make throws. I mean, mm-hmm. ever, no one's ever doubted his arm talent. Um, it's been a matter of his decision making, and he was on point in this game. You don't. I think that the Eagles really did come out and play well, and they. I, th- I think that they flipped the script on the Vikings in a big mm-hmm. way. A lot of the way that the Vikings have won this year has been just like you said, get off the field mm-hmm. on third down, 
which is something that was a perfect they reversal. Were the, they had a record year on third down defense. On third down getting yeah. off. And I think the Eagles converted something like 75% mm-hmm. of their third downs. Vikings couldn't convert a third down. They were more like 20, 25%. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a, a script flipping. The the way that they ran the offense where they were just able to mix it up and spread the ball around with mm-hmm. Foles is, is reminiscent of what the Vikings try to do on their side of the ball. So they really just... They just out Vikings the Vikings yeah. was, they, they, was what I saw. Zimmer got out coached. Um, Shermer got out coached. They just got completely out coached. Let's just say it this way: if the, I think if the Saints were in that game, they would have won pretty mm-hmm. easily. I think yeah. they would have pretty easily. Um, just like I think that the Patriots will, <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's another story. Yeah. So let, let's take a look at that. Well, first of all, before I before we get off, there's one thing I do want to mention. I don't know if you ever went back and looked at the highlights for that game, but we actually missed uh, a touchdown. Right after the end of the, right when the second half started, do you remember this? Yeah. Um, do you know how they scored it? Uh. Uh-uh. It was a flea flicker. Was it? Yeah. Okay. In that, you missed. Uh, did you watch much of the? You didn't watch much of the Jaguars and no. Page. There was two. Each team did a flea flicker in that game. For real? Yeah. I love flea flickers. <laughs> it's my favorite play. In I know. I screamed flea flicker twice during that <laughs> game. I was kind of drunk, but <laughs> and I was home alone screaming flea flicker. But yeah, the um both <laughs> the Patriots had a much better attempt at it because uh-huh. <laughs> the Jaguars did it. Um, Fournette threw it back and like. <laughs> Bortles kind of he, he jumbled the ball a little bit and then the, everyone was covered down actually no no one even went down like the the farthest cut down field is 20 yards downfield so he threw it and he completed it but he completed a guy like 20 yards down that's not what you do with a flea flicker no you hurl it yeah I thought it was funny what I was thinking was I, I'm really glad that we didn't have the game on mm-hmm. when that happened because that was it was a real dick kick mm-hmm. they, they came out they Drove to like the fifty, mm-hmm. then they they're already up thirty one seven, yeah, or twenty four seven at that point, yeah. and then they run a fucking flea flicker and score a fifty yarder to Tory Smith mm-hmm. on a dime. I I recommend after a, enough time has gone by that you go by and watch and watch that play. It was a dill for dime <laughs> in the corner, and uh, that I think that was that would be the one thing that I would have been worried about our television safety if you, if you had seen I, that place so i think that was a blessing i i was already, i already had accepted it at that point um <laughs> i was eating some wendy's so i was fine there you go i was able to eat so if mm-hmm. i'm able to eat after something like that you know it's good that is good news yeah. uh we're, like i said we're going to come back to the vikings but let's flip over look at the afc just like we were talking about not the game a lot of folks expected Mm-mm. i think people expected the patriots to handle the jags but credit to the Jags. They mm-hmm. came out. They made it a game for almost all of it. Uh, Brady throws an awesome touchdown pass. Amendola makes an incredible catch at the mm-hmm. end of that game to get the go-ahead score. And I think that I think this was closer than people anticipated. Mm-hmm. I also think it was closer than it should have been. Um, I think that in the second half, the Patriots just really outplayed the Jags. And yeah. how, many, how many times have you seen this where – this young, hot, fast, cool team comes out, and they jump on the Patriots early, mm-hmm. and then in the second half, they just destroy them. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking specifically of last year's Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, you saw it. Um, you saw it on Sunday as well. Mm-hmm. They just don't. They play so evenly all the time, mm-hmm. and so they can ride out your waves. And that was really impressive because Jacksonville they they were the younger, faster, more physically gifted. Mm-hmm. new hotness and the Patriots were the bo- are the boring white guys <laughs> you know and 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 they rode out the wave of the first half kept it close 
Jaguars had chances to put them away in that game and couldn't capitalize. And I think mm-hmm. that's the difference between this young, these young studs, Doug Marone as a coach. It's the difference between them and Belichick and Brady and all these vets. Yeah, it's it's halftime is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean, you have to go in with a, with a commanding lead at halftime against the Patriots in order to in order to win because I mean the the Jaguars were in complete control at halftime the the Patriots actually they scored right before halftime mm-hmm. um, and made it a game but if they wouldn't have scored at halftime it would have been three yeah it would no it was more than that they had no it was 10 14 a half was it yeah okay but they were up 14 three yeah you're right but I mean they they would the Jaguars were in complete control they were getting turnovers they were hitting Brady like crazy but Ask the Falcons H- halftime. You give you give Belichick that that halftime, especially like in the Super Bowl extended halftime. Mm-hmm. You give Belichick two extra weeks. Like now he's going to go to the Super Bowl. It's it's a done deal. It's pretty much a done deal. Unless your name's Tom Coughlin, and which he almost did it this week. Almost did it. <laughs> I think Jaguars fans should be should be excited about the year yeah. that they had. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about them also um, in a little bit, but. This ga- I think that the two games this week were really a – they were flip-flopped. People expected the Patriots mm-hmm. to really handle the Jags, and people expected the Eagles-Vikings game to be a lot closer than it was. Mm-hmm. And we got a blowout on the one we didn't expect and a tight, really tight, really good game mm-hmm. on the other side. I think that to, to look at kind of the broader picture, it's a shame the, the way that these playoffs played out. <laughs> And this is gonna this is gonna kind of segue into something I know each of us wants to kind of discuss. Um, I think that on both sides, on the AFC and NFC sides, we were robbed of what could have been some really good ball games and some really good matchups. I think looking at the AFC, everyone just wanted to see the Steelers and Patriots, mm-hmm. and the Steelers fucked that up. I think that even though the the Jags that was a good game, a very mm-hmm. good game, I would have rather have seen Roethlisberger go against Brady. Yeah, and everyone else in the AFC was non consequent. I mean, that the rest of the NFC or AFC could fuck off for yeah. all I care. But to to have gotten to see those two, I think we were robbed of what could have been like a real classic. No one's gonna think about the Jaguars losing in the AFC Championship in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think on the on the NFC side, I think we were robbed of of. A better matchup between the Saints and Eagles, yeah. Which I I would have picked the Saints in, and you know I've something I've been rooting for for a while now has been Breeze and Brady in in the Super Bowl, which yeah. would have been awesome to watch. And I think we were robbed of that by that fucking Minnesota miracle play. <laughs> and I don't know. It, I just think that while there have been some exciting games and there have been some fun some fun plays and things mm-hmm. like that, I think that this could have been really a playoffs for the ages if if you had seen Roethlisberger and, and Breeze advance. Um, but now it's just going to go down as another another Patriots walkthrough. <laughs> you know? Yeah, probably. Um, although I'm, I'm much happier with the playoffs this year just in terms of game quality mm-hmm. than especially last year. There was a we, lot of beatdowns last year. Yeah, I think we got at least half of the games each round were good. Wild mm-hmm. card, divisional, and then the championship rounds. Which, I mean, it's it's more than, than what we got last year. I don't think the Super Bowl is going to be particularly good mm-hmm. like last year. We'll see. But, uh, no, I think I think I, I was overall pretty happy with the playoffs, even the ex- excluding the Vikings and, mm-hmm. and all that. So Yeah, I think that... Even including the Vikings with the divisional game, to be honest. But Yeah, there's a lot of... What's nice is the the duality, and we've been talking about this all season. Anyone appears to be able to beat anyone right mm-hmm. now. There's there's ten teams on each side that would be a threat, mm-hmm. 
and I did enjoy that. I guess what I'm talking about more specifically is like storylines and the matchups, radio yeah. talk. Like, I'm so glad that Brady got in um, because if he doesn't complete that pass to Amendola, we're talking about Bortles versus Foles, mm-hmm. and that's just not shit for us to talk about. Yeah. So I'm glad that Brady gets in, um, and we can, you know, everyone will have something to talk about for the next two weeks. But I guess from that standpoint. To be able to watch ESPN and listen to the radio and stuff and, and just give us shit to talk about on the podcast, it would have been so fun to have Roethlisberger Brady and then Breeze Brady because then you're talking about legacies of Hall of Fame guys. And so I think that there was an opportunity there for that that was fucking robbed from us by Diggs or Keenum or that fucking safety, whichever guy you want to pick. And then also from, of um, that Pittsburgh defense allowing 45 points to Blake Bortles somehow. So... I don't know. That's just the one thing that's disappointing. That, like you said, though, the game quality itself has been good. Mm-hmm. It's been interesting. Just not quite the storylines everyone, I think, at least I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about the Vikes. Um, their their season has ended, and looking back, you know, something you alluded to earlier is that you you weren't as high on this team as a lot of mm-hmm. other folks were. So in general, talk about just the Vikings season from beginning to end and just like how it felt the whole way and, and mm-hmm. what your, what your sort of uh, summarization of it is. I, I mean, I, overall I had a lot of fun with the season. I mean, obviously they went 13 and three and that's, that's awesome. And it's a lot of fun to watch as a fan. Um, I was always skeptical of there's maybe two games all season. That I was like, they're going to win going into this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the Browns game, they almost, they were losing it or they were, they were only up by like three at halftime. Yeah. That was a tight game. That was overseas. Yeah. Right. So that, yeah. that always makes it tough. But I just I was very skeptical, and and there's a lot of reasons for that. A, you know, last season they went eight and eight. Um, they weren't particularly a great team. They, I mean, they had to keep their defense off the field, which they did this season. They did a good job of doing that. And then B, it was the whole Keenum thing. You don't know how he's going to perform from week to week. And I mean, while he he played very well, um, he made a lot of good throws. Didn't make a lot of dumb decisions. Well, he did, but he got lucky with a lot of those dumb decisions. He he's not he doesn't look you know when he makes those throws he doesn't look like a lot of his balls fly in the air. You know mm-hmm. he doesn't look like the stereotypical quarterback, and mm-hmm. um, you you don't feel confident. I mean you know you don't feel confident with Case Keenum as your starting quarterback no. every week, and so plus they lost players. I mean they lost Bradford who looked really good week one. They lost Alvin Cook who was amazing running back. Potentially um, rookie of the year if he's yeah. himself, the way he was playing. And if they would have had him, they could have had a much better running game going into it and, mm-hmm. and could have handled the, the Eagles. Who knows? But, uh, no, it's – it's it, there was just a lot of reasons I didn't – and, and I've been here before. You know, I've seen them on winning streak. It just happened last season. They went 5-0 and oh and then <laughs> went 3-5 and five the rest of the way. I, I've seen them – I've seen them play out of their mind and then just one second later be terrible. So, it – it was hard for me to be confident, even and then especially coming in the playoffs, um, I didn't really feel confident for them playing against any of those teams. They had beaten all, all the teams, but the Eagles and the the Falc or Panthers. Eagles and the Panthers, um, and during the regular season, but they were all very close games and they were all at home, I think. Um, so I I don't know I just I, that was the other thing is they played really well at home. They had a very weak schedule. Um, they played teams like the Browns and the Bengals, and they played the Lions, who weren't particularly good. They played the Packers without Rodgers mm-hmm. uh, for most of the one of the game entirely, and half the game for the other one. So here's here to that point. I got the Viking schedule pulled uh-huh. up here. Um, so here here were the games. Beat the Saints in Week One. Obviously the Saints were, and that was a Week One Saints with a rookie. Bradford defense was in and, there. Cook obviously. Yeah. 
Um, week two, they get stomped by the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Week three, they play the Bucks. They're terrible. Then the Lions, they're terrible. Oh, mm-hmm. they lost to the Lions, fourteen mm-hmm. seven. But then they go on a winning streak. They beat the Bears, who suck. The Packers, Rodgers got hurt in that game. Mm-hmm. The Ravens suck. The Browns suck. The Redskins suck. They beat the Rams in an exciting game. That was actually a pretty good mm-hmm. ball game. But in that one, uh, Rams do lose three corners in that game, and mm-hmm. then and then Thielen burns the fourth one for the go ahead touchdown. So. Yeah. You have that. Uh, then they beat the Lions. They beat the Falcons in what was a pretty well put together ball game for mm-hmm. them, but one of the most boring games I've ever seen in my life. Then they lose to the Panthers, beat the Bengals, beat the Packers again, and uh, beat the Bears. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I looked at this earlier. Uh, ten or I think ten of their wins were against teams that didn't make the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then they were uh, three and three, mm-hmm. I guess, against teams that did. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty, you know, that's. That's what you should do. That's what you, they did. What but they it's should, not impressive. But yeah, exactly. They didn't do a lot to impress. And I, I have to admit, I was I was fooled over the course of the season by this team and maybe the media coverage and and everything because as they started to rack up wins, I I did fall for it. I I at one point said like fuck like this might be a Super Bowl team, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, you know, you have the number one defense that you talked about, but you know who did they play? You know, mm-hmm. and then. You know, the way Keenum was playing, which I still think was very good. I, I still think Keenum was good throughout the season, regardless of how it ended. Um, but I think that we were duped and bamboozled by all the football talk and all of the ratings for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. They didn't play anybody. Mm-hmm. They the, the Packers sucked. The Bears are still young and learning, and the Lions were terrible this year. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we talked about earlier was going forward next season. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Vikings are going to find that they really missed their chance this yeah. season. This was their shot. Yep. You could have played at home. Um, you know, you had the momentum. You had injuries. Not only not only do you have Bradford go down, but you have Wentz go down as well. Mm-hmm. If, if, if Wentz plays in that Eagles game, I think it's 58-7. to <laughs> Probably, yeah. And so... I really think that the Vikings are going to be kicking themselves later on that this was this was their opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now they've got they've got no quarterbacks. They got to figure out that going mm-hmm. into next season. You got Roethlisberger coming back. You mean Rodgers? Uh, Rodgers coming yeah. back. Trubisky is is getting better. Yeah, he, so he had a, he had a good year as a. Let rookie. me just read off the the opponents and the home and away. Yeah, so their home, schedule next year is brutal. Yeah, it's terrible. So home they got Chicago, which is winnable. Again, they'll be better. I think mm-hmm. Detroit again that's winnable. Green Bay. With Rodgers back, I, Yikes. I don't know. Arizona, who, depending on who they pick up quarterback-wise, things like that, that that's not a guaranteed win. San Francisco, they're the hottest. They're they're the hottest team in the NFL right now. Yeah, they have the they have the longest winning streak in the NFL right now. Jimmy Garoppolo's a stud. Yeah, um, Buffalo, we'll see about them. I I, <laughs> I don't know. That could be a winnable game. Miami again, probably a winnable game. And then New Orleans at home. There's no way they're winning that game. <laughs> New Orleans is going to be on fire because they've lost two in a row now to the Vikings in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they have this. I, I bet this will be Week One. I almost bet this will be a Week One. If game. it's not Week One, it'll be a Sunday night mm-hmm. or a Monday night. It'll be a primetime game. Yeah. So then away, you got obviously the, the NFC North again, Chicago, These Detroit. Away games are brutal. Yeah. Um, got the Rams. Got Seattle, who's still a tough team, and winning in winning in Seattle is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jets, who are better this year, again, that's probably winnable. Then you got the Eagles again in fucking Philadelphia, and then New England. <laughs> so I see total potentially winnable games at realistically six. Yeah, they're going to struggle to get five hundred next year. I, I think that I think you're right, and I think that 
I think this defense will stay good. Um, I, I don't know if they'll be the top, you know, they're mm-hmm. the top defense this year no. statistically. I don't think they'll be that, but I think that I think they've got enough talent and they're well enough coached that they're they'll they'll stay in games. What I'm concerned with is the offense, mm-hmm. and it all revolves around the quarterback. What do you see happening? What two things? What do you want to happen at quarterback, and what do you think will happen? Um, I don't think Case is back, and I if they want to win games then Case shouldn't be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um if if they want if they here if they want to get win games on the road and be able to stay in games with the offense, Case shouldn't be the quarterback. Um he never won them games this year. He he played well enough to keep them to cuz cuz what he did was he didn't turn the ball over mm-hmm. and he he led them on drives to down the field, but he leaned on the running game and then had a couple successful passes. Um, on play action and things like that, but he never he never won the other than that that that's that crazy miracle play which was a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, he never he never not did not have one single fourth quarter game winning drive. Mm-hmm. Um, never had to, and then when the games that they that he was in that they lost, um, the the offense didn't score points. You right. know they were down right away, so. They they need a quarterback to be able to put the game on his shoulders when they're down by a touchdown or two on the road in New England mm-hmm. to be able or hell even on the road in Detroit you know to to be able to go in there and win games you mm-hmm. know that that's not Case Keenum I don't think so either so and Bradford think- maybe but I don't know he's he's he he's done it from time to time but he's not consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are, I mean, some people are throwing around different names. Kirk Cousins is a guy that's going to be out there. That'd be interesting. Um, I don't know if he's a good fit or not. Who knows? But Well, and then the other thing, a good fit hangs in the air. Pat mm-hmm. Shermer now is gone. Mm-hmm. He's going to go coach the Giants. So they're going to have a new offensive coordinator coming in. Yeah, the, the rumors are either Mike McCoy, which I'd be happy with, or Ben McAdoo, <laughs> which I would not be happy like with. McAdoon't is more yeah. like it. So we'll we'll see. I mean, there's there's a lot riding on it, but I, even with a quarterback, I I don't see them winning more than eight games. I really don't. It'd be really tough. Mm-hmm. It'd be really impressive if they did. Um, I I agree with you. I don't think Case comes back, um, just because I don't think they want to pay him. Mm-hmm. They can't franchise tag him. See, I think they'll pay if they can get a quarterback because. They'll pay a quarterback, just yeah. not Case Keenum. Yeah, they're not going to pay You're him. not going to pay him $15, $18, 20000000 million. The franchise tag him, I think mm-hmm. it's something like $21 million they'd have to pay him. Mm-hmm. That ain't happening. But if they can entice and, – and that's that's the nice thing in this situation is that since they went 13-3 and three and were in the NFC Championship game, they're going to be able to get – They're an attractive spot. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, it's still a young team, still a young defense, all that. But And then they're going to have one of the most explosive running backs for him to hand – whoever the quarterback is to hand the ball off to. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, I don't know. Well, <laughs> who are they going to get? I mean, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is out there. I think Garoppolo also is unrestricted. Will be an unrestricted free agent as well. They'll, he'll he'll stay put, and he'll probably stay in mm-hmm. in San Francisco. But who else is there? I mean, Bradford could come back. Drew Brees maybe, <laughs> but I doubt that. <laughs> yeah, I highly doubt he wants to go. I I don't know. I think that I, I would like Cousins. Mm-hmm. I would like Cousins. Um, I can't I imagine him in a purple jersey. It'd be weird. <laughs> I think the likely scenario, as, as little as I'm sure, as little as you want to hear this, is is uh, is Bridgewater. I think I, th- is what I think Bradford's be. more likely than Bridgewater. You think so? Yeah, they they really like Bradford a lot. Um, Bridgewater wasn't even 
he was an he was a healthy scratch all those all those the last few games. Right, you couldn't you couldn't go away from from the hot hand was the idea there. Well, no, that and they would have had him active if they would have preferred him over Bradford. Though they said Brad they they kept saying over and over again that Bradford is the the most he is the purest passer on the team. Right, and I think and that came from straight from Zimmer's mouth. I think it'll be. It'll be Bradford or someone else is who I think it'll be. But do you think so? Maybe maybe they want Bradford more, but in terms of money, do they want to pay him? More? You know what I mean? I think so, they'd be able to pay him less than Keenum. With Keen, I, th- I think Keenum. I think let's let's assume Keenum is no. Mm-hmm. There's no chance to get Keenum. Um, assuming assuming it's it's Bradford and or Bridgewater because mm-hmm. they could easily they could sign both and mm-hmm. make one the backup, which I think is another possibility. Yeah. But I think that Bradford's age is working against him, and his injury mm-hmm. um, history is working against him here. And I think that I think other teams could potentially reach out to Bradford and become attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that the realist in me thinks that they're going to just end up with Bridgewater, which is not what I want for them. But I could see it happening just because you know they they drafted him, they like him, the the fans like him, and all that. They can get him for super cheap, I'm sure. I don't think he'll be the starter. I, I really don't. don't think so. No, it'll be Bradford. If if it's any of the Vikings quarterbacks from last year, it'll be Bradford. Um, another thought popped in my mind would be Tyrod. That'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be different. And it's all and this all does come back to the coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, who are they going to bring? What kind of offense mm-hmm. is it going to be? Is it something that's suited to a Tyrod Taylor, or is it something that's suited to Bradford? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's going to have a lot to do with it. Sam Bradford and and and. Teddy Bridgewater, hundred percent different quarterbacks. Yeah, and we also don't know what Bridgewater can do. That's true. Um, he came out. He there can throw f- interceptions. Yeah, he came <laughs> out. There, he came out there and just you know, and and that was his first action in a year and a half and blah blah blah. But he came out there and didn't look good. Um, he might not have looked good in practice. We don't know. No one ever said anything. Hmm. Um, I I don't think it'll be Bridge. Bridgewater is going to be relegated to a backup somewhere uh, until he can prove that he's something else. Um, it'll it'll be Bradford or some or, or completely different quarterback. Well, you heard it here first from the Vikes fan. I think that similarly to how we were fooled and and tricked into thinking the Vikings were a Super Bowl contender, I think that the Jaguars fit that same mold. Now they do have a really good defense, and their offense has some weapons. Leonard Fournette was a freak this year, mm-hmm. probably offensive rookie of the year, don't you think? No, I think it'll be Kamara. Oh, Kamara's another good one. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, but they've got some nice pieces on there. But again, they're this young, fast, sexy team that everyone wants to root for because everyone wants to see the Patriots lose. But they're in a division where Andrew Luck was hurt all year. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson for yeah. the Texans. Yeah. He he gets hurt in like week six or seven. He was he was a boss mm-hmm. while he was playing. And then Mariota and the Titans, they just fired their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have to play anybody. Yeah, you know, they sure they they beat the Steelers in whatever week, but anyone can you can get up for a couple big games a year. I I, I like the future for Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I think that they could grow into a good team, but this was this team was never going to go to the Super Bowl. People were kidding themselves to yeah. think that they were going to go beat the Patriots. Yeah, I um, I do. I think they have a, a brighter future than the Vikings do. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the, if you're comparing those two teams, because they. Well, a they're younger. That that defense is super young. Mm-hmm. They've got him for cheap for another three, two, three years, mm-hmm. most of them. Other than Boye, but I mean, they, he's still young too. That he was on his rookie contract until he got signed this year. Um, so they're super young. They have some of the best pass rushers in the league on their team. Um, so they're always they're that defense will keep them in games more than I think the Vikings defense does. 
Um, and they, they create more turnovers than the Vikings defense does as mm-hmm. well. So that, that's, that's what kept them in this game against the Patriots was the turnovers. They, yep. The Patriots were driving a couple times, and they made, they made them fumble it. Uh, or they sacked Brady and, and made him nervous and all that. But um, I think their issue, they can run the ball. They, they play great defense. That, that's the formula. Now they need either to have Bortles continue what he was doing towards the end of this year because uh, even in the regular season, the last he like five games or so, uh, week like twelve to or week like ten to to fifteen, he was awesome um, in terms of what he needed to be, um, and then he kind of fell down again. And even the first game of the playoffs, then he kind of came back up. Um, if he can continue and be consistently really good and make those those short throws and sometimes hurl it down the field, they're going to be a team to, to reckon with. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 not, they need to find another quarterback and find it quick because I don't know how long their their win- how big their window is going to be. I don't think it's big because these young guys, um, you know, you talk about like Jalen Ramsey when when he when his bill comes due, it's going to be big. Mm-hmm. You know, you see these these young stud corners, they get big contracts mm-hmm. always, and rarely do they stay with the same team. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's happened to the Rams multiple times. Yeah, and I think that I think that Jacksonville is not going to win a Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. I don't think that's in the cards at all, Mm-mm. and I, I don't know that their window is so long that it's going to be possible for them to get another quarterback that's that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't think that they have the balls to just ditch Bortles now and sign like a like a like a Cousins. Well, I don't I don't know. we'll see because they they were going to start Chad Henney yeah the, at the beginning of the season and then Henney just sucked and then Bortles started off poorly and then got better as the season went on but mm-hmm. maybe it's an off season of Bortles knowing what they have and knowing that he's the guy because he was clearly nervous in that first playoff game and then he kind of shook it and was stone cold for mm-hmm. <laughs> for for those last two games I mean he was he they didn't lose because of him he 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 played really good ball mm-hmm. um the the last few games he was on the money and he threw it deep when he needed to and was was hitting guys deep accurately and um, the biggest thing was a third down. He was able to, to throw the ball seven, eight, nine yards and get the first downs yep. uh, accurately. So it, it's just consistency for him. He has to be consistent, and that's not has been his game, his career. So, so for you next year, between the Vikings and Jaguars, who who do you think is more likely to make the playoffs? I think the Jaguars. Okay. Um, a, we already talked about the schedule, and B, that Jacksonville Jacksonville plays in the AFC, mm-hmm. and the AFC is not good right not now, not particularly deep right now, and. Um, yes, you got Deshaun Watson coming back to the Texans, but how do you know how he's going to play? You mm-hmm. know, you don't. You don't know. He, you mean his, his stretch of games that he played um, was was awesome, but it was like six games. Mm-hmm. You know that that may have not sustain through the, se- the rest of the season, right. even if he's healthy. Um, that division, and yeah, you have luck coming back to that division too. Um, so we'll see there. I, I don't think they're a talent. They're not nearly as talented as the Jaguars are. The Jaguars, they're, they're only going to get better because they. Their defense already is really good. You know mm-hmm. they were great. Even um, they were the they were the second best defense in terms of statistics in in the league this year. Their offense, Hardy has a lot of really good pieces. He got Fournette, and then Yeldon played really well mm-hmm. uh, in the playoffs. And then that that other Cole, I think is Cole. No, he's he's a receiver. Uh, Clark. Uh, I don't think it was Clark. And it's like the third running back. He yeah, had like three or four. But yeah, plays. he kept. He, yeah, he kept. He kept playing well. I know they really like him. Receivers, they have Allen Robinson might be back. They don't know, which he was out the entire season. They don't need him, though. They got Hearns, who played all right. They got um, Ke- Keelan Cole's a guy I was thinking of, who they really like, and he played really well. 
D.D. Westbrook, who was uh, he won the the award for best wide receiver in the country last year. Um, mm. No, that was was that that might have been Schuster. D.D. Westbrook though was he was a, a a really good rookie coming out. He was drafted in the second round, so they got pieces all over, and they're only going to add to that. Mm-hmm. Get a couple more pieces on the offense, offensive line. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna continue it. I, I think they're gonna be a legitimate team going forward until, like you said, those contracts come up. Mm-hmm. We shall see. I'm not quite as optimistic as you are, just just because of how tough their division games are gonna get, um, and they haven't been. You know, they walked through their division this year because the I just, Texans didn't have a quarterback and the Colts didn't have a quarterback and the Titans suck. I think the Titans get better this year if they can get luck back. I think the Colts are know. significantly better. And then uh, Texans are going to be, I think they'll be dangerous. Um, and that's not to say that Jacksonville still won't win that division, but I think it'll be made a lot tougher. I, d- I just don't know. Like, I don't, I think obviously Luck is a game changer, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't have anything around him and they they don't have a line at all. Like that's what they need to draft is just completely offensive line and then go from there. Mm-hmm. They're still a few years off from being anything good, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I, the jury's still out on the Texans for me for Deshaun Watson. We got a, such a small sample size of him being really good. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know yet. And then the the Titans. I don't think they get any better. I don't think Marcus no. Mariota, Marcus Mariota is going to be. He's he's good, but he's not he's not good enough to mm-hmm. to carry carry the team. Um, maybe if they lean on Derrick Henry, we'll see. Um, and that defense played well, but I don't think they're they're I don't think they're going to get much better. It's going to be interesting to see between these two teams next year. I agree with you. I think that I think Jacksonville's more likely to make the playoffs than the Vikings are. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm still not betting on it at this point. I think enough will change within that division and within the AFC as a whole that um, they're not on my short list for for favorites in terms to get back to the playoffs. But I've been proven wrong before. So that's kind of the we spent a lot of teams on the spent a lot of time on the teams that lost. Next week, of course, we'll have our Super Bowl preview. Uh, we're going to make our picks. We won't spoil it now, but I think you know where that's going. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk a lot of Patriots Eagles, uh, next week, but for now we got to get over to movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. Few things here this week. We're going to review some things. We're going to talk Razzies and Oscars, but first really, really quickly, we've got some news about the John Wick sequel that's coming up? John Wick. <laughs> uh, um, made, John Wick 2 made my list of top five movies from 2017, and hopefully it will, I think, in 2019, the third one. Uh, they announced that the director from the first two movies, he co-directed it, but his name's Chad Stelhaleski. I can't pronounce that. <laughs> He'll be back for number three. He'll be uh, solely directing this one instead of co-directing it. So um, I hope we get a similar you know, the similar type of style for this one. He, he, he's really the champion for these movies though. He's the one often doing press and giving his thoughts and ideas about the movie. I think he's also directing the the first episode of the continental that'll be on stars too. Oh. So yeah, he, he's already talked about that. There's going to be more clear vision of the, the villain in this one. That was kind of a, a fuzzy one in the, who really the villain was in the, in the second one and all that. Um, in terms of like, because there's Ruby Rose, and then there's also the other guy, and there's kind mm-hmm. of that back and forth there. Um, he also does want to incorporate more women into this one too, as and kind of have more distinct fighting styles and things like that. For because a lot of times in like action movies, when you see the women fight, they fight a lot like they they fight like the guys do, mm-hmm. and he kind of wants to incorporate that more and, and have it more be 
how women would fight. So sure, it'd be interesting. I'm glad that they're bringing him back. I think that his. I don't. I think that it would be very easy for a different director to come in and fuck this up mm-hmm. because it's very important the way this is shot and the importance he put he puts on the fighting specifically in the action scenes is really what makes these movies. Mm-hmm. And so glad that they're not um, that he his vision will stay intact and and hopefully they don't stray too far from from what they've done in the past. So so that's mm-hmm. welcome news. We've each got. Um, we've each got something to, uh, I would say, pimp out, something to recommend to the folks at home, and then also something to review. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go first. I just quickly want to mention a couple stand-up specials that I've watched in the last week. One has been Judd Apatow, The Return on Netflix. Um, Judd Apatow, you know, you, you'd remember him from having produced or directed like 40-Year-Old Virgin and Anchorman and every funny movie you've seen for the last 10 years. He's somehow involved. So Well, he, funny relative. Yeah, true. Depends on your taste. <laughs> He started off as a stand-up comic, but hasn't done stand-up in something like 25 years or mm-hmm. something like that. So it's his first special, which is weird. Um, and he's just – I like I like him. He's just a genuine dude, and he talks a lot about his life and talks about his success in movies and stuff. So you've seen this one too, right? Yeah, I caught it when it came out. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, he's a funny guy. He obviously knows comedy, and uh, it's just really interesting. It, it was different in that – because he's clearly not a trained stand-up. Mm-hmm. Guy, like I think he talks about it in there. He did it a few times at like improv, uh, the improv, you know, open mic type things and all that. But he kind of just tells more stories when he's up there, which is cool. And then he mm-hmm. has a few punchlines here and there. I also like he, inc- he incorporates some pictures mm-hmm. uh, into it, which are pretty good. <laughs> so it's it's funny. I definitely, if you're a fan of his, check it out. Yeah, that was a good one. I, I recommend that. And then also um, Sarah Silverman, A Speck of Dust. Now I was a little behind on this one. It came out sometime in 2017, so it's not anything brand new. But it's Sarah Silverman has a very funny. Her delivery is very funny to me. She she mixes it up, and just the the pace and the tone with which she gives her punchlines is funny to me. She it's a lot of dirty comedy, mm-hmm. but it's not like she's in your face screaming like, "Oh my god, this dick is so huge!" Like that's not the kind of the way she kind of subverts the way a lot of comics would deliver a line like mm-hmm. that was a huge dick. Um, she, and it's just really funny and, and hard for me to explain, but she was really good. She, she wasn't as dirty as she has been in the past. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's been a little off putting for me. Some of her nastier stuff, this, this was more reeled in. And I just think she's, she's just another interesting person. And some of the way, the way that she sets up jokes and then finishes them is often surprising. And so yeah. that's a funny one. So this one more than the Judd Apatow is like straight up funny and will make you laugh more. Uh, whereas Judd Apatow was just more of an interesting guy that you kind of want to listen to speak. So yeah. also definitely recommend the Sarah Silverman special as well. The movie I went to this weekend in the theaters was Den of Thieves. And I said for months that I would not go see this movie. <laughs> and then I d- did exactly what I said I wouldn't do. But I I was not surprised by the way this movie turned out. Um, this one... I would say cue this one up for its eventual Netflix release. Maybe catch it on VOD. I wouldn't go to the theater to see this one. One of the reasons is that it's two hours and 20 minutes long, (laughs) which is entirely too long for a movie like this. Uh, Den of Thieves, if you don't know, is sort of a cops versus robbers. You know, the cops are kind of dirty badasses and the the robbers are cop killers, like that kind of whole thing. Kind of like going for a heat type vibe or maybe the departed, I guess. But it really was, I think, shallow. The, the none of the characters really had any depth. I thought what was cool about this was the action, I think, was shot well. 
the and we've talked about this for movies in the past when when a bullet is fired when a shot is fired you you can feel and hear and see the the seriousness behind a gunshot mm-hmm. a lot of movie a lot of movies you know it's like oh man someone gets shot but then when a gun goes off in this it's bang 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 like it's mm-hmm. loud and you can hear it hitting shit and you can see stuff exploding when it sh- gets shot and so i really appreciated that the story of this was very basic though i did enjoy the heist um, it was pretty creatively done, I mm-hmm. thought, and and really interesting. So there were some good elements and some bad elements. The editing was really weird in this because I don't think they edited much out, obviously, <laughs> because it's two hours and 20 minutes, and there's really not a lot going on here. There were some scenes that seemed very randomly plugged in that definitely could have been done away with, and just a lot of things. There was a lot of weird things in this that prevent me from from really saying go out and see it, but I do think it was enjoyable, and I think people are going to like it. Um, but just don't watch it right away. Get it, get it in the queue. I would say. Uh, um, Gerard Butler was a highlight of this. That is Gerard Butler, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get him and Russell Crowe mixed up. <laughs> so Ger- Gerard Butler was a treat in this. I-, I did like him as kind of this badass cop. He's getting ready to shoot some folks, and um, yeah. So this it, it was weird. I liked it, but I'm not recommending it that people mm-hmm. go rush out and see it. And I, I know that uh, Jared went out and saw this one as well. And yeah, you pretty much echoed what I'm, what I'm telling you. Yep. Um, I know we had very similar thoughts about it. So make sure also go and uh, go into YouTube and checking him out at Jared Buckendall to see his review as well. Let me ask you, does 50 cent follow up his amazing performance and get rich or die trying in, in this movie? He, I, I was pleased to see that he was really relegated to a supporting character, yeah. very small part in mm-hmm. this, uh, and that was I was glad because I don't think he, I don't think he was ready to carry. You're telling me movie. Curtis Jackson can't carry a movie? No. Well, yes, that, I'm telling you he can't. Okay. <laughs> all right, so that, that's all I got. What do you, what do you got for us? My recommend, in just terms of a quick one, is actually pretty similar. It's a, it's a drug, not really heist movie, but it's like a drug action movie which some people a lot of people heard of but haven't seen uh sicario which if you want to watch it if you have amazon prime uh it's free to to stream on prime um it stars emily blunt benicio del toro i always i always want to say guillermo (laughs) and uh josh brolin and what it's what it is about it's it's a drug uh, it's a drug action thriller where emily blunt is a agent with the DEA drug enforcement and Josh Brolin. And, and there's, it kind of starts with, with a big explosion and, you know, drugs obviously involved and Josh Brolin comes in with Benicio del Toro and they're a part of the CIA and they are very kind of like quiet and calm and just kind of like, here's like, these are weird dudes but like they're very cool like josh brolin's wearing like sandals and like a hawaiian looking shirt and he's just like he's just mr cool who's always in charge type type guy and the story kind of unfolds in a slow pace but in a good way where you're kind of learning more and more about these characters and what they're doing and and how they're doing it it's very interesting and it it earns the thriller title because it there's there's parts where you're sitting there kind of like you know, clenching a little bit. You got you got the the bee hole clenching. Got a tight butthole. <laughs> and and it, it really unfolds in in a really cool way. The action is really good too. Like you said, that there's not a ton of of bullets and and things like that, but when there are, it means a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's some really gnarly, um, like headshots and some CGI and things like that. So and practical effects, honestly. 
Um, it was this was one that a lot of people had as an Oscar snub last year. It came out in 2016, so it would have been 2017 Oscars. People had it as a snub, uh, and while I don't know if it, I still liked a lot of the Oscar movies that I saw last year more than this movie. I think it definitely deserved a lot more attention than it got, and now it's getting the sequel this summer. Um, so I would definitely say check out uh, Sicario for sure, especially it's free, uh, and get, gear up for the the trailer that's coming, or for not the trailer for the sequel that's coming. Uh, here in a few months, because I'm, I'm excited. I'm much more excited for that, and I already like the trailer, but I'm much more excited to see that now after seeing the movie. So this is one I've had on my radar for a long time. I've had it recommended a bunch, um, and never got a chance to watch it. Mm-hmm. So really glad uh, that you're giving it a good review. Also, uh, we can check it out. I don't know if you said we can check it out on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yep. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna get that one in the queue and, and check that out one out definitely before the sequel. Mm-hmm. Also, the movie though that I was really excited to see. Um, and it's relevant because we'll be talking about it here in a few minutes with uh, our Oscars. But uh, I, Tanya was the movie I got to go see this week and uh, definitely did not disappoint. So it, it it's the story of Tanya Harding, which most people know. Um, she was accused of – and I, I don't – I think she – there's still some kind of lingering things with it about – what happened um, when she was in the Olympics? She was she's an ice skater, and her biggest opponent, um, Nancy Kerrigan, was attacked, and her knee was all busted up, and that allowed Tanya to Tanya Harding to go and and reach more success through the Olympics. But that was a big news story, which I I don't really remember uh, much. We were very too young. Vaguely do. Yeah. But it was a huge news story, and now they finally got around to making the the biopic, which I'll say bio, biopic in quotes, because uh, this is a much different biopic. So um, they state right up front, it's it's they say it's a true story, but they also say that it is also from the testimonies of the people involved, and so it's not. They said it's an almost true story. They kind of say something along the lines up front, which is cool. It's set up like a documentary, but. It's filmed, you know, with the actors and stuff, and and it's it it's done in kind of a more comedic way, which is cool. Um, it's a very compelling story, though the way they the way they tell they break in and out of those the interviews with the documentary that that happens several years after the whole deal goes down with her busting her knee up. Not only is it told though from that side of things with the documentary, it's all, it's also told in a kind of a fourth wall type of way. They break the they break the fourth wall several times in this. That's done for comedic effect, um, but it's also done to drive kind of some points home throughout the throughout the the movie. Um, obviously, you can kind of figure out what happens by knowing the story, which but I but I won't spoil kind of the really any of it. But I'm not going to especially spoil what they kind of do with the some of those those fourth wall breaks in the, in the documentary. Like I said, it focuses quite a bit on comedy, but there's also some pretty dramatic moments too. Margot Robbie, uh, Sebastian Stan, and Allison Janney all have really good uh, dramatic performances as well as comedic performances in this. Um, Margot Robbie was very impressive to me in this movie because I've only seen her in you know kind of the roles like Wolf of Wall Street, where she's you know being the the sexy girl, and then also fucking suicide squad which i don't even want to remember that movie uh, where she's being harley quinn which to her credit she does a good job on both those movies of being a different character but this one is completely different where she's she is tanya harding i mean she's kind of like this crazy yet sympathetic character uh and she there after the first few minutes i didn't even think about her being margarobi which is pretty impressive (laughs) (laughs) Um, Allison Janney though is really, and she's getting the most praise for it. She's won a ton of awards and she deserves it. She is 
she is the villain in this movie playing the mother of, of Tanya Harding. Um, she, she's very scummy and a terrible mother and very self-absorbed and, um, really kind of drives why Tanya makes some of the decisions she makes. So it's, she, she transforms herself into this crazy lady, which is awesome. Sebastian Stan also does a really good job as, uh, as Tanya's husband, who is also very, everyone's very crazy. They're all rednecks in this movie. So, uh, he does a really good job of, of portraying that, that character as well. Um, one, I don't know the actor's name, but there's also the friend of Sebastian Stan's character who is like, he's like this fat, he's like the fat sidekick who tries to do a lot. He tries to do too much to, to help out mm-hmm. Sebastian Stan's character. And he's very like not grounded in reality. So he thinks he's doing things that he's not actually doing. And he tries to get people to believe he's doing things. He's hilarious. Um, and <laughs> He's also just like very frustrating, but I don't know who the actor is. He does he does a great performance in this movie, though. In terms of the movie in general, definitely recommend this movie to anyone who's a fan of biopics, um, or anyone who's not a fan of biopics and wants to see something different. It, it's it, it just has such a weird spectrum of comedy and drama and the fourth wall breaking and and just it, it does so many different things that it's there's not another movie that's nominated for an Oscar that is like this one. Some of them you can kind of say they're pretty similar, like Dunkirk and Darkest Hour, mm-hmm. pretty similar movies. This there's not another movie you can compare this to this year, huh. um, which is which is really cool. Um, it's good to see something fresh like that. Like I said, generally funny. Um, it's also very sad too. It's kind of depressing with those characters. Uh, performances are outstanding and definitely deserves some recognition. It's going to get here in the next few weeks. So. Yeah, this is one I'm definitely looking forward to checking out. Also, and, and I know it's going to make the rounds again. Um, like you are alluding to, there's some Oscar nominations, so um, it's going to make the rounds. I'm excited to check that one out when it comes to Cedar Rapids. Um, but yeah, really, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, that you're saying it's a different kind mm-hmm. of biopic, because when I saw the trailers for this, I was really concerned that it was going to be too close to like A Wolf of Wall Street or American Made that came out with Tom Cruise this year, where it's like, oh, here's a scene and here's some narration that says why it's funny and now next. Like, but how you're saying where they incorporate a little more drama yeah. and the interview perspective, there's enough change up that it doesn't feel like the biopics that we're used to. Yeah. And there's definitely some, some of that narration and then it's funny, but mm-hmm. I mean, it does have very sad and dramatic moments. And I mean, I guess it, it is, it is kind of similar to an American made and now that you talk about it. Um, but it's, I mean, it's definitely different from American made too, because it also just makes you, it made me at least think like who whose side do I believe to? Because mm-hmm. like it it does give different perspectives, which is really cool. It, I mean, they're all shitty people, so you don't really know who to believe anyway. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, it's funny. It's it's definitely very funny and and some great performances. Cool. I'm excited to go check it out. So let's move from the lauded I Tanya and something I'm excited to see into some things I'm not excited I saw this year and some things that I'm glad I didn't see. We're going to talk about the Razzie nominations. The Razzies, if you don't know, are basically the opposite of the Oscars, and they happen around the same time. So we're talking things like worst picture, mm-hmm. worst actor. Basically, it's just an excuse for us to shit on things that were bad this year. Yeah. So like, if you were to, if you were to look at award shows and rank them, you got at the top of the, the, the chain, you got the Oscars. The bottom, you got the Razzies, and right in the middle, you got the Dundies. <laughs> the Dun- I would rather win a Dundee <laughs> than a Razzie, that's for, that's for sure. So we'll go through some of the nominees and laugh at them. Uh, there's not a ton of these. We'll go through them kind of quickly. Let's start 
with uh, worst screenplay. Now, one of one of the things that you're gonna notice here is a lot of it, it's really a few movies a lot of times in mm-hmm. this. So you'll hear some of these names repeated again. Worst screenplay: you have Baywatch, The Emoji Movie, Fifty Shades Darker, The Mummy, and Transformers: The Last Night. Wait. I always forget that Fifty Shades has a movie a year now. Like, they, yeah, I forgot they came out last yeah, year. Yeah, the sequel. Movie. The sequel was last. Did they uh, just last film February. them all at once? I think they're just reusing scenes yeah, from the first. Probably. <laughs> but at any rate, a lot uh, of moans. I think all those were super deserving. Mm-hmm. All of those were terrible. Name those again, real quick. Baywatch, the Emoji Movie, Fifty Shades, The Mummy, and Transformers. So we saw Mummy and Baywatch. Yep. Yeah. And Jared saw the Emoji Movie and Transformers yeah. and shit all over those. I don't know anyone that's seen Fifty Shades, but I think the least deserving of this is Baywatch. Out of mm-hmm. out of what I know, I think Baywatch was the best of these, but that's not high praise. Yeah. So worst director, <laughs> you're gonna hear some of the some of the same, and I'm gonna defend one of these. Okay. So you have Anthony Leonidas for the Emoji Movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Alex Kurtzman for the Mummy, also obvious. Mm-hmm. James Foley for Fifty Shades Darker, duh. And Michael Bay, of course, for Transformers The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I think Michael Bay's probably been nominated for a few of these things. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fifth... I'm surprised they don't call it the Michael Bay worst director. Yeah, no kidding. The The fifth nominee for this is Darren Aronofsky for the movie Mother. Mm. Mother! And Mother is going to appear a couple times in, in these nominations, which I think is bogus. Mm-hmm. I saw that movie. And it was very confusing, very quickly paced and very frantic but i thought that when you find out what they're doing here because this whole thing is sort of an allegory mm-hmm. and when you find out what they're doing it all makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. and this was a movie that when i watched it i was like what the hell is going on here and then when i left it i googled what what was going on here and when i found out i was like oh my god then that was actually really well done and so I think whoever shits on this movie, Mother, just doesn't get it or didn't want to get it or maybe they thought they were going to get one thing and got something different, which I totally understand because mm-hmm. it was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a little too reductive to say that, he, you know, to say that that movie sucks and that he should be wor- worse directors. Mm-hmm. I, that's my defense of Mother. I do think people should see it. I think it's a good movie. But... Obviously, the people who are on the Razzies disagreed. I just picture you walking into the theater, like, on your phone frantically texting. That's exactly how what? it went. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Yeah. That hey, was Google? exactly... What's going on here? When the when the, when the when the credits started at the end, I was sitting in my chair, and I literally was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> and then I had to, I was in my chair watching... The credits were rolling. I didn't get out. I didn't get out of my chair. I Googled it right there. Mm-hmm. And then when I figured out, I was like, fucking A. <laughs> so, I actually liked that one. Let's go on to worst remake, ripoff, or sequel. This is effectively adapted screenplay, mm-hmm. but, but terrible. <laughs> Burt Break. Yeah. Yeah. Burt Break. So you had uh, so you had Baywatch in there. Um, Boo Two, a Medea Halloween. That deserves. Which yeah, to win you didn't word. even see it. Fuck. Fuck Tyler Perry. Hello. Then you have, of course, Fifty Shades Darker, The Mummy, and Transformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know they all deserve to be there. I like this one. It's worst on-screen combo. And so some of these are pretty funny. Uh, and I'm going to read them exactly as they are. The nominees are any combination of two characters, two sex toys, or two sexual positions from Fifty Shades Darker. <laughs> any combination of two humans, two robots, or two explosions from Transformers <laughs> The Last Night. 
<laughs> Any two obnoxious emojis from the emoji movie. Yeah. Johnny Depp and his worn out drunk routine, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> And Tyler Perry and either the ratty old dress or worn out wig from Boo Too. Yeah. I just think that's a funny, that's a funny. I like that category. Uh, category. I like that one. Let's go quickly to worst supporting actress. Kim Basinger for Fifty Shades Darker. Sophia Batella for The Mummy. She's in that. Yeah, she's, it's a weird character. I don't know much about it. Uh, Sophia Batella for The Mummy, who I actually like in mm-hmm. general, Sophia Batella, but she didn't do much in The Mummy, mm-hmm. understandably. Laura Haddock from Transformers. I don't don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goldie Hawn from Snatched, which I heard Snatched was fucking terrible. So I'm in no way surprised that Goldie Hawn is up for that one. And then the last one is Susan Sarandon from Bad Mom Christmas, which uh, I heard was actually nice. I heard yeah. people liked that movie. So. Yeah. But I, I don't know about Susan Sarandon in it. We're supporting actor. <laughs> this is funny. Javier Bardem is nominated twice. <laughs> once for Mother and once for Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> And then, and then you have also uh, Russell Crowe from The Mummy, Josh Dumal from Transformers, Mel Gibson from Daddy's Home, and Anthony Hopkins is also nominated twice. Once for Collide, which I don't know anything about, and also for Transformers. Okay. So Transformers getting a lot of love in that category. Uh, three left. Worst actor. Again, none of these are going to surprise you. Tom Cruise for The Mummy, Johnny Depp for Pirates, Jamie Dornan, who's the... Mr. Gray mm-hmm. in Fifty Shades, Zach Efron in Baywatch, and Mark Wahlberg gets a double nomination for Daddy's Home 2 and Transformers. <laughs> I love the double nomination. Transformer. It's going to pay your way through college. Worst actress, Katherine Heigl for Unforgettable, which I don't think anyone saw. I've heard that's like a, a room level laughable movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's really too bad for Katherine Heigl. You have Dakota Johnson, who I think this is her second nomination. Mm-hmm. I like her. I like her, not in those movies. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence for Mother, which, bullshit. I think she was good in it. Uh, Tyler Perry is nominated for Worst Actress, which I think is <laughs> And Emma Watson for The Circle, which I didn't see, but I heard, I heard it was, that was terrible. dog yeah. shit. That trailer looked really good. I thought it, I thought it looked really mm-hmm. cool, but I'm glad I didn't see it now. Worst Picture, none of these are going to surprise you. Baywatch, Emoji Movie, Fifty Shades, The Mummy, and Transformers. Spider-Man Homecoming. No, fuck you. <laughs> So the Razzies, again, really just picking on the few really bad movies of the year, but always very entertaining. It's funny to see sometimes people show up mm-hmm. to accept their Razzie. I know yeah. Sandra, Sandra Bullock got hers. She won a Razzie and an Oscar for Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress, hmm. one or the other, in the same year. Wow. It was for um, like All About Steve, which she was in with Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. That was their worst. And then uh, The Blind Side was the same year. Huh. She won for that, so... And she showed up to collect her Razzie, which is funny. <laughs> so let's move from there into some some movies that uh, I think people are more excited about. And the, yeah. the bigger award show is, of course, the Oscars. The Academy put out the nominations this morning. Uh, so we'll talk about them. We're not going to make any picks right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll save that for a later show. But, Seth, let's go through and talk uh, talk through some of the categories. What surprised you? Who do you think was snubbed? I'll, t- I'll kind of talk some of the – we'll do some of the ones that you, we often see and talk about. Um, first one I'll talk about – we'll talk about original song. That's it's, that, that's a kind of a contested one this year with some big ones. Um, we got, I know. I can't. It's hard for me. It's gonna, That's going to be a hard one for me to pick. Yeah. So we got Mighty River from Mud Brown by Mary J. Blige. Um, Mystery of Love from Call Me By Your Name by Sufjan Stevens, which I'm actually seeing that movie tomorrow, so I'm excited. Oh, Sufjan. Sufjan, that mm-hmm. is. Um, 
Remember, Remember Me from Coco by Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, uh, George's son. Um, stand, stand up from some stand up for something from Marshall by Dan Warren and Common. Um, this and then this is me from The Greatest Showman by Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. So that, I think that one's between This Is Me and and Remember Me. But yeah, those are the two that I really I really like both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with the one from Marshall, even though we saw that. So I guess that says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen Call Me by Your Name again. We'll have to come mm. back to that one later. But yeah, I think I think between Coco and Greatest Showman, one of them one of them gets that yeah. one. Uh, we got cinematography, um, Blade Blade Runner four to twenty, ugh, Blade Runner forty, ugh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, uh, <laughs> Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Mudbound, and The Shape of Water. I've, what we've seen, I've seen Mudbound, Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, and Blade Runner. Shape of Water actually will be here this weekend too, so I'll be seeing that this week. I'll have a couple movies. Oh yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I guess if if you're gonna have to nominate Blade Runner for something, that that's probably it. Uh, Mudbound, I didn't really know. I saw it on my phone, so I can't really comment on that one. But it, it was a fine looking movie. But Dark, I think Dunkirk is is probably the most inter- interesting one there. Yeah, I think between Dun and there's a few categories here mm-hmm. that Dunkirk and Blade Runner are going to be nominated against each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see who gets what because Dunkirk did a lot of things really. Um, uh, uh, practically mm-hmm. that I was super impressed with but Blade Runner did so much digitally that was so impressive mm-hmm. because even though I hated that movie it was I mean it was gorgeous yep. Every, no, everyone can agree on that so like cinematography I don't know between that I really did like Dunkirk obviously haven't seen Shape of Water yet but mm-hmm. um, yeah this this is an interesting category to me in terms of cinematography you just never know how they're going to interpret yep. those things that are so different so we got adapted screenplay uh, Call Me By Your Name The Disaster Artist Logan Molly's Game and Mudbound I did not know Mudbound was adapted, but I didn't either. Fun, uh, fun fact about this: Logan, first superhero movie to be nominated for this one. Yeah, it, I mean, I didn't like that movie very much, but I mean, it is interesting, I guess. I mean, it's it's one of those that en- enough people have told me that it's great, uh, and I liked it just fine. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought I, I was, was very underwhelmed. If I was going to review it, I, I would have given it. I would have given it a go see it probably, but. Um, enough people have just just sprayed love on this movie mm-hmm. that I, I kind of I need to go watch it again because I don't know if I just missed something or what the hell went on. Yeah. Because um, I didn't love it nearly as much as most people, but I, I am I am glad to see that it got nominated. I yeah. think that's pretty cool for a superhero. It's a big movie. step forward for superhero movies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, original screenplay. This one I'm actually much happier for. Uh, we got The Big Sick, Get Out, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's a fucking but packed category. It's a stacked category, and we got some cool surprises in there like get out which was kind of on the fence for any sort of nominations mm-hmm. and did a lot better than people anticipated the big sick is another one i love that movie that was one of my favorite movies last year um three billboards is obviously a big one that a lot of people are excited about and keeps winning all of these different awards golden globes at one at the sag um the dgas at one at recently too uh shape of water and you know that that's been talked about had a lot of praise with the, the directing and ladybird which a lot of people are is kind of a sentimental favorite for a lot of people. So. Mm-hmm. The one I'm happiest to see on here, well, I, I, I'm really happy to see Get Out on here, but The Big Sick, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy seeing on this list. I, I have Kamel Nanjiani on, on Twitter, and he was all day today, was mm-hmm. posting about how exciting it was. Because this really is the story, The Big Sick is the story about him and his wife. And so to have written that down and made into a movie mm-hmm. and then get nominated for that, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, animated feature, we got Loving Vincent, 
Ferdinand, which is crazy. Jesus. Uh, Coco, the breadwinner, and the boss baby, which I'm going to need you to, to hit the sounder one more time. The Iron Sheik Tweet of the Week sounder, please. I call you a punk. Respect the boss, baby. Hashtag Oscar noms. Jesus. <laughs> that was a bonus Iron Sheik Tweet of the Week. I call you a punk. I think that the Boss Baby and Ferdinand getting nominated is horseshit. Yeah. Were they were there literally only five animated movies to come out this year? <laughs> no, the one that people were pissed is Lego Batman. That was a huge dub for a lot of people. Yeah, that was I I didn't like that movie, but it was I, reviewed I would, really well. I would rather it get nominated than fucking Ferdinand. <laughs> and Boss Baby. And the Boss Baby. Yeah. Uh, people are like in, incensed about this Boss Baby thing because it, it was nominated at the Golden Globes too. Was it really? Yeah. This this is mind blowing. This is Suicide Squad getting an Academy Award <laughs> level frustrating. But it's actually nominated for a Best Feature, like a Best Animated Feature. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that seems psycho to me. But it, it, not a huge year for animated, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we're starting to get into some of the bigger ones here. Uh, director, we got Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Also uh, packed. Yeah, I mean, packed. And you can't. I. You can't look at this and pick one. I don't think. I think that the right now it's it's Guillermo is is and and we talked about it with the Golden Globes. It's between Guillermo and Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. Um, I my pick. No, we're not doing picks. Yeah. So, um, are you disappointed not to see Martin McDonough on here? I know that's someone you've talked about. I didn't even think about season. that to be honest, but uh, not really because I thought I think that movie is as a whole is much better than the direction. So, mm-hmm. I, I'm just happy to see. Greta Gerwig get nominated and Jordan Peele get nominated. That that's we're getting some diversity in the in the nominations. Uh, Natalie Portman's getting her uh, her wish of not seeing all dudes in there, so that's yep. cool. Anytime, especially for directing, which mm-hmm. you know it's, it's another thing for acting and and actressing. Acting, <laughs> I guess there it's all acting. Um, <laughs> actressing, but for director, for for the person in charge of a like that, that's pretty impressive mm-hmm. actually to to have. Not only an African American, but then also a, a woman um, nominated in this category. I do, as cool as it is, I, I always kind of have to like when it's the Oscars. I always have to kind of wonder if it's if they're token nominations. Mm-hmm. I don't think in this case that they no. are because those are both fantastic fucking movies. Yep. But it's the kind of thing that the Academy kind of does sometimes. So yeah. especially since the Oscars a white thing in the past. So. It is great. I, I hope that there's not some sort of ulterior motive behind this. Mm-hmm. We got supporting actress next: uh, Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, Allison Janney for I Tanya, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer for Shape of Water. This is another tough. God, mm-hmm. there's it, a lot of these are really tough. I Again, think. it sounds like the lead is is Allison Janney. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I, I mean, I really like Mary J. Blige in Mudbound. Laurie Metcalf was great in in Lady Bird. Again, I'll see Shape Water later this week, and Phantom Thread is I've heard is is a great movie as well. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I I really like Laurie Metcalf. Uh, she goes way back to Roseanne for me, so <laughs> I, she's got she's got a soft spot for me. Uh, I don't know if she would be my pick to win, but mm-hmm. I, I she's kind of one I want to root for. Yeah. Supporting actor, we got Willem Dafoe for the Florida Project, Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards, Richard Jenkins for Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World, and then Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. So we got a couple of Three Billboards nominations. 
Um, I liked Woody Harrelson in that movie a lot, but I, I'm surprised to see him nominated. I don't think he should be anywhere near this category. That, yeah. was, exact, that was the exact thing I put down when I saw this was I, I think that the Woody Harrelson one's kind of a stretch. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to rack my mind trying to think of like who's someone else that could be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm having, a, I'm, having a, I'm having a brain fart right now, but I think that there are probably some other actors who, who should be in here. Uh, Woody Harrelson just didn't, he didn't blow the roof off my doors. At all, Sam Rockwell definitely. Mm-hmm. I think he I think may he even is, be a front runner for he, this. He is the front runner right now yeah. from early. Also, psyched to see Christopher Plummer in here, just yeah. because of the whole thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, just because that would have been Kevin Spacey, and he was and the best part of that him. movie easily. I mean, yeah. he was really good. So. Yeah. And and what ended up being a little bit of an underwhelming movie. Mm-hmm. He, he was, was good. he was a good he was a very good part of it. Mm-hmm. And he we talked about this we talked about it, I think last week. He really mm-hmm. commands the screen in that one. So I, I no. did enjoy him a lot. Um, lead actor. Uh, Timothy Sham- yeah, Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread, Dan- Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, uh, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Two brothers in here. <laughs> I love that. And both, I think, deserving. I think Denzel's kind of on the fringe. A lot of folks are saying yeah. maybe he's kind of a bogus nomination. I, I do but want to go back and watch that. I didn't get a chance to. but I liked it. Mm. It was it was good. It, the movie itself didn't blow me away, but he, I thought he was really good in it. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of Denzel mm-hmm. than you're used to seeing. Uh, really psyched to see Daniel Kaluuya, mm-hmm. not just because he's a brother, but also he is so fucking good mm-hmm. in that movie. He does things that no one has had to you know, there's no precedent for some of the shit he had to do in this movie, and he was really, really fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, the big snub in there, a lot of people are saying James Franco. And I know there's the whole controversy going around mm-hmm. about him, but with him not being in there, it from everything I've been reading, is Gary Oldman is already locked in as the mm-hmm. winner, which I would be psyched for because he does a great job. I mean, more than a great job on that movie. Have You You haven't seen that yet, have you? haven't, no. I got it on my list for when it comes around again. Yeah, but... he is... He is really damn good in that I mean he's not even Gary Oldman in that movie so I think he deserves it I think um, I'm really excited to also you know we haven't seen Call Me By Your Name or Phantom Thread Phantom yet Thread or, yeah, really I've only seen to see both two of, of these this, this is my least viewed category so. yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting weird thing yeah it, who knows if maybe maybe Franco would have gotten Denzel's spot maybe mm-hmm. um, had he not had this stuff pop up after the Globes but you know, but a lot of the the voting is done even prior, even before then. So I yeah. I think it was just a matter of I don't really I mean these are all dramatic perform. It's really tough for a comedic mm-hmm. performance to to edge out a dramatic one in mm-hmm. general. So I'm not surprised not to see him. I don't I don't know if I qualify it as a snub. Mm-hmm. If it's because of his, the allegations against him, uh, that's kind of hypocritical because Gary Oldman was charged with beating the holy shit out of his wife like 15 years ago with his phone. Oh really? Yeah, like he, she was trying to call the police, and he took the phone from her and beat her half to death with it. I don't remember that. And uh, yeah, I didn't either. I just read a story about it. It was in like one or oh two. Hmm. So if if uh, Franco doesn't get nominated and then Gary Oldman wins, then what are your actual values, Hollywood? <laughs> I, I don't really know. But again, I think that even regardless of whatever allegations are, just strictly looking at the performances, I'm not surprised not to see Franco on here. I do wish he was because mm-hmm. I thought he was excellent, but I'm I'm not as I don't think he's a snub like some people do. Yeah. And then lead actress, we got Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards, Margot Robbie for Itania, uh, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep for The Post. This one I have seen. No, I haven't seen Shape of Water yet. All but Shape of Water. This is a loaded. Mm -hmm. loaded. What have you heard in terms of a frontrunner? McDormand. Frances McDormand. Um, It's between her and Saoirse Mm -hmm. at this point, and it's, it's pretty far and away Frances McDormand right now, so... 
I thought she was really good. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Sally Hawkins. The Oscars. That's another one though that that, that said would be a dark horse in there yeah. too. And and this time between now and the few weeks when that actually happens, you see a lot of those dark horses kind of gain steam. Well, because people go see that movie, mm-hmm. and and I think the Oscars has always been a sucker for. Uh, disability mm-hmm. of any sort mm-hmm. when an actor can play that and I know she, Sally Hawkins is mute in that movie so maybe that gets her some bonus points mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I liked Sersha I really I really liked Meryl Streep all the the three of these that I've seen I really enjoyed it's tough for me to personally choose between the three of them mm-hmm. I think that the type of movie that Three Billboards was I, I understand why Frances McDormand has gotten a little bit of an edge, but mm-hmm. it's also hard to bet against Meryl Streep for crying out loud. <laughs> so yeah, this was this is an interesting one. I'm gonna have a hard time picking mm-hmm. it. And then finally, we got Best Picture: uh, Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Glad to see Get Out. Oh my in god, there. I've never I, been so happy about it. I was really surprised, honestly. I didn't think it would get in there. I, I really didn't. Um, it's not a typical Oscar movie at all. I'm um, talking about different type of movies. This is that is the most different type of movie. It's a horror movie. Yeah. When's the last time? I think I only know Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. That's and it won. Um, I don't yeah. know another horror movie that's been nominated. Now I'm not super. I'm not super. I don't know them all. Yeah. But yeah, that's I was really excited to see it. Crazy. But I think it's well deserved. Yeah. I think that was an excellent movie. Yeah, I do too. Um. Yeah, again, the only ones I haven't seen on this list, Call Me By Your Name, Shape of Water, and Phantom Thread. I'll be knocking two of those out this weekend, so mm-hmm. I'm excited. The early talks are it's a two-horse race, and that's it, and Shape of Water and, and Three Billboards are the two that are that are going to win it, kind of one, one of those way. two. Yeah, so. yeah it's going to be interesting. I, I really, you know, I, I still have not really – Three Billboards didn't hook me in mm-hmm. like it did a lot of people. I understand that it was good, and I enjoyed it, just – it it's getting a lot of love and I get it, but it, it didn't hook me in in the way that it seems to have done for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see The Shape of Water. I know that's got a lot of traction right now. But, uh, yeah, if it's between the two of those, I, I don't know. It, it's going to depend a lot on subjectivity mm-hmm. and, and what people like to see. Man, I would love to see Get Out win, but I don't, I don't think it will. <laughs> no getting, getting nominated is just exciting. Yeah, that's... There's a lot of really great fucking movies. When we went to Dunkirk, mm-hmm. when we saw Dunkirk over the summer, it was mm-hmm. like July, mm-hmm. I walked out of that movie and I said, that's the best picture. <laughs> now, of course, other things have come out this year, but still, I feel that way about Dunkirk. That mm-hmm. was a really excellent, mechanically and objectively, the way they put that movie together was mm-hmm. fucking phenomenal. Yep. Uh, I could see it maybe for direction or like cinematography, some of the other things it's nominated for mm-hmm. more likely than this. But I still think it deserves to be right up there near the top. And obviously, you know, this whole category is just a bunch of fucking fantastic movies that yep. I think a lot of these would win any other year. Let me ask you this. They they went with nine nominees. Mm-hmm. They they can go to 10. Do you think, is there a 10th that you would have liked to have seen in here? Um, Yeah, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put all the money in the world in there. I really, wouldn't really put Disaster Artist in there. I like that a lot, but mm. what about like Mudbound? I know that's one you talked about. Yeah, that was really good. Um, I, I, I liked it a lot, but I don't know if as a whole it kind of had some pacing issues to it and mm. things like that. Um, the one I really liked was Stronger, and I really wanted mm. to see that get more not more recognition. Jalen Hall left out of the actor too. Yeah, so and I didn't expect him to. He wasn't in the Golden Globes or anything, and I don't think they pushed that hard to be involved with for consideration and things like that. That one I thought was an excellent movie and, and was one of my favorites this year, um, or I guess last year technically now. So that's one I would have liked to see and get a little more recognition, but, mm. you know, you get what you get. 
so just very, very briefly, there's one or two that I want to ask you about. And one is uh, visual effects. Mm -hmm. So you have things here like uh, Blade Runner, which, you know, I think is going to be a lot of people's favorite. Guardians 2, obviously very visually impressive. Kong Skull Island, same thing. And then Star Wars and War for the Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. War for the Planet of the Apes is the reason I wanted to highlight this category because I think this is the only chance that they have at an Oscar. I think it's their only nomination. And they, it would be, to me... Now, again, not, I'm not necessarily going to pick this as what I think will win, but it would be a crime to me for them not to win an Oscar for mm -hmm. what they were able to do in this. The way you would think that it was a real fucking ape that they taught to act. Yeah. Um, so that's just one that I wanted. And obviously, Star Wars, they get a couple of the technical nominees. Um, sound editing in here is an interesting one. So you have Star Wars, Shape of Water, Dunkirk, Blade Runner, and Baby Driver. Really excited baby, to see Baby, baby Driver. Baby Driver is nominated for a couple of things all around sound. Uh editing and mixing as well and then film editing so uh, do you think baby driver gets comes away with any of those three um i don't or know or has a good chance to it's just so tough because it's yeah. such a it's such a goofy not serious movie mm -hmm. and um obviously what it does in, in sound and editing is impressive mm -hmm. but you know when you're going up against like a blade runner and a dunkirk which are are that, and then also on top of that, I think better movies on the whole. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's tough, but I, I would really like to see Baby Baby Driver come away with at least one of those three. Yeah, yeah. So we've got what six weeks or so to see the remainder of these. Not a lot of not a lot left for mm -hmm. us, but we do have some homework to get to. Uh, I know Shape of Water is, is at the top of my list because it does lead the way. I think fourteen, either eleven or fourteen. Thirteen. Thirteen nominations. 13, yeah. So that's a that's a big favorite going in. Three billboards we saw, but that uh, also several nominations. So, yeah, I'm really excited to get all these watched. And you know, before the Oscars, we're gonna have cool. a we're gonna have a little bit of a competition. Yeah. Between the two of us, we're gonna we're gonna pick each of us is going to pick our Oscar selections, and then we're gonna keep track of who wins each one, and there'll be points gathered. And we're going to make it interesting with a little wager. Uh, should we tell them about it now or wait? Yeah. Yeah. So the wager that we landed at is if Seth outpicks me in the Oscars, then I have to give up saying the so-host and the co-host, <laughs> which is something I do not want to do. So I will be winning this competition. And when I win this competition, Seth will be watching and reviewing The Matrix. <laughs> and that will be a glorious episode, and I cannot wait to bring it to you. It's going to be very fun for me, uh, especially because then I'll get to watch The Matrix again, because I definitely want to watch it with you. No. <laughs> so make sure that you uh, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Gmail, uh, wherever it is that you listen to us. Give us a comment. Uh, give us some hints. What do, you, what do you think should win? What do you think some of our picks should be? Uh, maybe just send them to me. Just send them to the email. <laughs> give me the give me the cheat codes. Let me know what you think I should pick in order to beat Seth. And also, what uh, what snacks you think we should eat while we're enjoying the Matrix. <laughs> Besides that, we will of course be back next week. Uh, talk largely about the Super Bowl. We're gonna have some movie reviews. Obviously, we talked about a couple of things we're gonna go see. So, it'll be another fun show next week. It'll be episode twenty nine. Uh, until then, make 29? sure make sure twenty <laughs> nine. Make sure that you are subscribed to us wherever it is you listen to podcast. That could be SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, 
or Google Play. You may also uh, be subscribed to Jared Buckendall on YouTube, so you can always check out the podcast there as well. Make sure you're checking out Jared on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jared Buckendall as well. You can see us on Twitter at Seth Oat, at underscore Cody Michael, and at Soko Show Pod. Don't forget to follow the Iron Sheik as well. And uh, quote tweet us if you want to nominate something for the Iron Sheik Tweet of the Week. Of course, SoCoShow91 at gmail.com for any comments, questions, anything else that you want to add. And review us on Podknife uh, if you want to leave us a review. So we really look forward to hearing some of the feedback that you guys have. So with that, it's getting it's getting to be a mouthful, all of the uh, administrative things to say at the end. So mm-hmm. glad to be at the end of that. And that's going to wrap up episode 28. This is the co-host. Cody Michael for the so host Seth Ott. We will see you next week. Bye. <clears throat> <clears throat>